Welcome to the Friends Like Films podcast. I'm Britt. And I'm Greg. And this is the podcast for you to hang out with us for a bit while we discuss a movie one or both of us loves. And this is our 10th episode. Yeah. Went fast. I think it went fast. Although, I mean, we're not putting them out at like a reasonable... Well, it is reasonable, but we're not going like crazy fast with episodes. No, we do We do two a month. We try to. Roughly. Yeah. This is our 10th episode, Big One Zero. Yeah. And we'll be talking about 2011's Shame later in the episode. But before we get into that, lots of, I feel like, movie industry news happened since we last recorded. Yeah. Yes and no. I mean... Some announcements and some things. Yeah. I think maybe because a lot of it came out... Like right after we recorded, so now it's all. So it's already been, you know, a week and a half to two weeks since the right. news broke for a lot of this stuff. <laughs> right. So by the time we, you know, edit and get it out, people are going to be like, "You're talking Way about behind. this now." Yeah. Well, that's the story. Deal with it, guys. <laughs> yeah. um, well, found out last night that ArcLight is closing all of its theaters. Um, have you ever been to an ArcLight theater? I have not, and I had to Google what it was. Even I okay. was like, oh, okay, like that's that's a thing, I guess. Yeah. Well, my my sister in law lives in L A, so that's how I first knew of ArcLight um, in the cinema Cinerama Dome Theater, very iconic in L A. But Boston opened an ArcLight theater two years ago, not even, and I was able to go to a couple movies there before the pandemic hit, and it really is just a nicer theater experience. They really crack down on people that use cell phones or talk. Like, they have a no-tolerance policy for that stuff. Um, That's good. I mean, who knows? I mean, they obviously didn't have the money to survive throughout this whole thing, but, like, that concept, I think, is still good. So maybe somebody can take it and run with it. And at least in L.A. and Boston's theater didn't really get a chance to ramp up, but they would do a lot of, um, like, have have actor, actors or directors or writers of the films come and do Q&As after some screenings and things like that, which is always cool to see. Um, I hope that some other, if this can't, if Arclay can't be saved, I hope some other theaters will. I'm try. sure they won't go all, like, all go out of business. I think the like the AMC stuff. There were rumors that they might not make it through, but it seems like they'll be all right, or at least they're going to make it through the pandemic. Yeah, and well, movies me- are starting to announce like bigger movies are starting to come back to theaters a little bit. Yeah, um, me, me and you are vaccinated. Yeah, so I'm ready to get back into a movie theater. I think a quiet it place depends too. how crowded it is, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know if they're going to keep limited capacity rules going. I I think so. Well, be unless good. they're going to unless you have to show proof of vaccination, then maybe they'll let it go to full capacity if everybody in the room is vaccinated. I don't know. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. But I think it's 100%. Movies. That's true. Um, J&J. That that's new news. If you got J&J, you might not live to see the end of the the, the next podcast episode. <laughs> Yeah, so I did get J and J. Oh my, my god! Wait, when did you get it? Uh, it'll be two weeks ago on Thursday. Yeah. Oh, okay, you're good. 
Yeah, so they say like this Actually, blood... Six this, to thirteen days is the yeah. Is the so window, this right? blood clot <laughs> thing that's been happening, and of course, mostly it's all women. Which lucky us, we don't have enough to worry about with birth control causing blood clots. But um, yeah, I'm almost in the clear. Brit's last episode. <laughs> jinx me, man! <laughs> I had a headache yesterday, and I heard the news this morning about J and J, and I was like, blood clot. Oh shit! In the brain, like that. That's it been great yeah, for my yeah. anxiety yeah um in lighter news though there was the announcement that sony and netflix reached that deal um yes. so all the sony films will now come out streaming on netflix um but not at the same not like what hbo does with uh, warner brothers right right so they're still going to have their usual theatrical run release runtime and then after they'll Netflix has the the rights. Yeah, which means they actually will get kind of a jab at Disney because they'll get the Spider-Man movies. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Which are currently st- not on I don't know what streaming service they're on right now. They're not on Disney Plus though. Yeah, when does that cuz cuz Spider-Man now lives under I thought that was all done that deal. Sony, no, the rights Sony still owns Spider-Man. But he's on loan to Marvel and Disney. Uh-huh. They bought Fox, which now that's Fox owned the X Men. So now they own the X Men because they got Fox. But Sony owns. Got Spider-Man. it. That's what I was thinking of. I was thinking yeah. of X Men. Okay. So, so that, okay. Yeah, and that's why so- Sony gets all the distribution for those for any movie that Spider Man's in. Right. That's why I read the tweet. It's like, yeah, Spider Man spends the week at his mom's, and then on weekends, you know, he goes to his dad's house. So it's like right. Netflix and. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, I guess it's not every movie that he's in because they have all the Avengers movies on Disney Plus. But it's if it's a Spider Man movie, right? Sony has a bigger piece of the pie, I guess. Yep. Um. Speaking of Marvel, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, latest episode, when we're recording this. Um, so we're four. We just had our fourth episode. The fourth episode has come out, but the fifth one hasn't aired yet. As we're recording this. When we release the episode, that probably might be different. The fifth one will probably be out by the time we release it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but spoilers, if you haven't caught up, fast forward. Um, John Walker is slowly... Uh, that last That last image of him with the shield and... You see blood on it. It was very. It was. It was a little disturbing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, he, that character. I won't. You know, I won't spoil it for you or anybody. But that character does exist in the comics. Yeah, I figured. And um, yeah, he's got a very similar arc. Yeah, I was trying. You don't usually see much blood in the MCU movies, and I feel like in the Falcon and Winter Soldier, we're seeing a little bit more than we usually would see. Not that it's, like, gory by any means, but Mm -hmm. it's a little bit more graphic, I would say. Yeah, that's funny. Well, jumping back to Spider-Man for a second, I saw that, um, and I'll I'll tie it back, but the next Spider-Verse, the animated movie, is coming, um, which was amazing. And uh, they said there's a rumor that the... 90s like tv animated version of spider-man is gonna be in it <laughs> really and, yeah and when you said that they normally don't show much like of the actual violence in marvel it reminded me of that show in the 90s spider-man was not allowed to punch bad guys he never actually throws a punch it's always like tripping people up with webs or making them slip or tying them up and he like never actually punches anyone 
And that and was, that was a rule. Like that was maybe? a rule. It was like some kind of like because it's a kids show, they weren't allowed to show like actual oh, violence. Okay. I just thought that was interesting because you, you mentioned that they didn't show it really in the movies and stuff, which I think I kind of disagree with. They show a decent amount of, of. I mean, yeah, like the the guys will be banged up and scraped up, and you'll see that. But I mean, Loki got choked to death, like right on screen. Yeah, but did his eyeballs pop out like mountain Almost. style? And yeah, but. I don't know. I felt like okay, we're getting a little... That's how I felt about it. Um, yeah, I guess as a kid watching the 90s Spider-Man animated series, you you don't... I, I didn't notice that as a kid. Like, oh, he's not punching people. He's, you know, using his spider webs and doing all his tricks. But I, I knew that, but I had forgotten about it until I saw... I saw that news break that he might, like, the 90s version might be in Spider-Verse, and, like, the top comment underneath it was, like, maybe he'll get to punch somebody now. And I was oh, like, oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah oh, he never, so he never did punch anybody. That's so funny. Um, this I, I mentioned the mountain, and this is a footnote in our lives at this point, but Game of Thrones, the show, is celebrating its 10-year anniversary since it premiered. Yeah. And, like, nobody cares. <laughs> I have no desire to watch it again, really. I wish I wish they had done it more justice. Yep. Ultimately my frustration is with is with George R. R. Martin. Like if he had finished the books, then they would have had source material to work off of. Mm-hmm. Like it all I think it all went off the rails as soon as they caught up to him and they started winging it. Definitely. Definitely. I saw the Game of Thrones official Twitter account tweet like the our iron anniversary like the the dvd extra footage of the cast interview right when they wrapped filming is like now on hbo and it's like nobody nobody cares (laughs) yeah (laughs) yep it's very sad the fall from grace that show had um yeah i mean it really was my favorite show of all time Mm -hmm. until that last season and completely like tarnished its legacy yeah, what are you going to do? It's a shame. Mm-hmm. Um, what else did I watch? I watched uh, Godzilla vs. Kong this okay. week on HBO. Which, I I mean, the story was horrible, but, yep. like, that's the whole point. I mean, not, not the whole point, but, like, the story's not supposed to be great. No. <laughs> like, it, the whole thing is just a, a giant stretch to make King Kong and Godzilla fight each other. Right. And um, that part was awesome. The CGI and the action was, like, really cool. Okay, I haven't no. watched it yet, but... I think it was worth watching. Yeah, entertaining. Mm-hmm. What more could you want? Yeah, they had uh, Kong, Godzilla, Mechagodzilla was in it. Okay. Yeah, big time. I'm not going to have you spoil it and ask who won. Won't say. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> um, did you watch that, the CNN movies documentary? I started it, yeah. I'm two episodes in, so I watched nice. the one about the Golden Age, and I watched the 60s episode. Nice. Which, the Golden Age, I I mean, I feel like they, that deserved to be split up into multiple episodes. They did the 30s, the 40s, and the 50s all in one episode. That's, like, insane to me. I know. I know. I agree. But what did you think so far? I liked it. It reminded me of a lot of classic movies that I want to go back and watch, Um Lawrence of Arabia being one of them. I mean, we've talked about it briefly on this podcast before, but it's it's like such a classic for a reason. It's so so good, and like like to watch like Spielberg be like, it's the reason why I wanted to make movies. Yeah. Um, made me want to go back and watch it. 
A few, actually. Yeah. I've never seen it. It's the classic epic. It's, what, like four hours long? Yeah, it's very long. Very long, <laughs> yeah. But I I need to watch it. It's like a staple of cinema, so mm-hmm. get around to it. Um, you watched Minari and our guy Steven Yun. I've been pronouncing his name Steven Yen, and that is incorrect, so I am correcting myself. Um, yeah, he's going to be in the next Jordan Peele movie. Yeah, that's extremely exciting, but that's really all we know, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, his first two movies were amazing. Um, his TV work is all really good. I don't know if you've watched the uh, Twilight Zone episodes that he did. I haven't. They're cool. I mean, I, I wished they were movies. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And like the Twilight Zone, I feel like, is just not... Um, people don't connect with it in the way they used to, I guess. I know. But um, it was really fitting for him to do. Because like his movies are kind of like Twilight Zone-y in a Definitely. way. Definitely. And, uh, yeah, excited to see what the next thing is. So do He's obviously we, getting some star power. Do we know if it's going to be, like, a Jordan Peele-esque horror movie? I think so, yeah. that's. I think that's that okay. That and the fact that Steven Young's going to be in it. That's all we know. Great. I'm in. I'm all in. <laughs> yeah. That's all I need. Um, what else do we have? Uh, oh, well, sad news. DMX passed away this week. More music-related than movie-related. But he was in a few movies. He was. And, yeah, I know that I love particularly the two movies that he was in with Jet Li, Cradle to the Grave, and uh, Romeo Romeo Must Die. die. Yeah. I figure those came out, like, both around the year 2000. I don't know. Yes. Give give or take a year or or two. I've only seen um, Romeo Must Die, which Aaliyah's in that one, right? Yeah. I think it's been so long since I've seen. But I definitely, like, when I was around that age, I loved them. And I love Jet Li in general. Mm -hmm. Um, Those are, like, decent action movies. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think Try Again, Aaliyah's like, hit song, was written for Romeo Must Die. Hmm. So, yes, she was in that. Um, yeah, and DMX was... I was way too young to be listening to his music when it came out, <laughs> but I, I was. And, you know, it still makes it into some, like, night out playlists and... I remember Whatever. listening to Rough Riders Anthem at camp. I was at camp. <laughs> yeah. That summer. That summer. And like, so inappropriate All the for kids you. were like, yeah, like, I think one of the counselors had, like, a stereo. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, we would just blast it. And, yeah. like, all the kids would be jumping on the beds, like, all the all the boys in the group. Oh, yeah. Would just be jumping on the beds and, like, going absolutely nuts for Rough Riders Anthem. (laughs) (laughs) These little Jewish boys from New York at camp. Yeah, although um, the camp I went to was not all Jewish, but a significant amount of Jews, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) um, We went on a longer road trip this weekend, like two hours when I say longer road trip, but we definitely played a bunch of DMX hits on the way there. You gotta. You gotta. So, rest in peace, DMX. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, I mean, I, there, was a, there was a ton of, like, I, the, the outpouring of, uh, of like, support for DMX. And, uh, support's not the right word, but I guess, like, grief for DMX yeah. was, like, more than I thought. Although, like, I don't know why I thought it was going to be less, but I guess he's, like, he was more legendary than I, than I had realized. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, I I guess so. It's but when you stop and think about it, like he was, 
I don't know if this record's been broken, but he at the time released two albums in the same year and they both went to number one on the oh. Billboard 100. Um, obviously the Rough Riders and, and producer Swiss Beats, who is like obviously getting iconic status at this point in hip hop, um, got his start from DMX and he shared a really nice video message on what DMX meant to him and who DMX was as a person and not just a rapper on his Instagram that I didn't really know about. Yeah, DMX, um, where I grew up, famously like owned a house in our town, but like was rarely ever there because he was in prison for avoiding taxes. Yeah, he honestly was in pain and struggled his entire life. Like Yeah. Yeah, he definitely had a lot of uh, a lot of problems and mm-hmm. unfortunately couldn't get past them. Yep. Or maybe did for a while but but fell back into it. I, I don't think we know the full story, but yeah, it's a I, tragedy either way. Yeah. I mean, you start off as a kid, um your you know, dad leaves and your mom doesn't really want you. And so it just doesn't set you up to succeed and addiction is an illness and it's a bitch and but yeah he made some incredible music so yeah and starred in some pretty good movies yeah um the last thing i wanted to bring up in our movie news section was last episode we i mentioned that i thought 94 was like the best year for movies which i had just remembered hearing somewhere and i looked it up and there's a couple of years in contention but 94 is one of them and it's a pretty crazy okay. list. There's uh, Forrest Gump, Shawshank Redemption. Um, I really love the movie Speed. But um, uh, there's a few others. Oh, it was like a huge, it was like the year of Jim Carrey, like Jim Carrey's breakout year. It was The Mask, Dumb and Dumber, and uh, Ace Ventura all came out in 94. That was all the same year? Yeah, all came out wow. in 94. Lion King was in 94. Yes. Um, Quiz Show. Okay. Um few other few other oh, pulp fiction like yeah yeah Let's tons go. tons of great movies all in 94 yeah wow i made my dad take me to th- see the lion king in theaters at i would say at least five times and he's a saint for doing it i'm i can't remember i mean i, I definitely saw it in theaters i can't remember if i went multiple times yeah. but i mean that's like the second you see that movie you're like oh okay that's like one of the greatest disney movies Slash movies, period, ever. Ever, yeah. And, you know, my, my dad being a Disney guy, too, was not, ex- like, it wasn't like he hated taking me to see The Lion King multiple times. Yeah, yeah. I don't think my parents would have cared either. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cool. I think that's all we had for our little movie news corner. Yeah, uh, except that we could not figure out which song was the the song the, the big song that was released originally on like a greatest hits album yes there was so, one i can't remember what it is you can't remember what it is but we thought it was don't stop believing that is not correct yes so we um, we thought yeah. don't stop believing was released only on a greatest hits and because of that it like skyrocketed and got huge yeah there is somebody maybe somebody out there knows yes i just remember this like this like fun fact it was like a trivia fact or something mm-hmm. that was like there was a certain song that was like a huge hit that was actually not released on any regular album it was re- first released on a greatest hits we may never know listeners if you know please email us <laughs> yeah mail 
social media. Yeah. Tweet at us and, yeah. and let Email us Email or regular mail. We accept letters. I don't know where you're going to send it to, but I'm not giving you my address. I'm definitely not giving out my address. <laughs> Figure it out. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. So let's move on. Let's talk about this episode's movie. My pick this week. Um, so a movie I've seen, Greg hadn't seen. We're talking about 2011's Shame, directed by Steve McQueen. Um, starring Michael Fassbender, Carrie Mulligan, who's most recently in Promising Young Woman, getting a lot of Oscar yep. buzz, James Badge, and Nicole Bahari. Yeah. So, this movie, I chose it. Greg likes to say I chose it just because Michael Fassbender stars in it. Well, okay. Yeah. Within the first 30 seconds of the movie, I realized why you chose it. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, that is not why I chose this movie. Um, I, did, I didn't I did see this movie right when it was released in 2011. I saw it a couple years later. Fassbender had just reprised the role of Magneto in X-Men. So I got, you know, started getting into Michael Fassbender with First Class, which came out, I think, the same year. And then, you know, 12 Years a Slave came out, also directed by Steve McQueen. And then I was like, oh, what else has Fassbender done? Let's watch Shame. So that's how I found out about this movie. Before Shame, Steve McQueen had released Hunger, also with Michael Fassbender. Also um, takes place in Ireland. So a little tie to In the Name of the Father, a little bit. It's about the 1981 Irish hunger strike. Um, It's a very good movie. Um, Fassbender is great in it and loses a ton of weight for it in the vein of Christian Bale with body transformation stuff. Um, so this movie, how would, how would I describe (laughs) shame? It's about, um, the character Brandon Sullivan played by Michael Fassbender and he has a sex addiction, which I think some people would think, I, I honestly don't know how the average person thinks of people with a sex addiction. Like, oh, they must have a great time and they just have lots of sex and it's awesome. Um, I don't know. Maybe at one time that's what people thought. But I think there's (laughs) been, there's been like, um, I guess, publicity brought to the fact that like these addictions are real and that they can actually cause a lot of problems for people. And this movie is a great example of, of, media that shows the darker side of of sex addiction yeah so one of the things i love about this movie is it takes the illness of sex addiction um an activity of sex that is something that is supposed to bring pleasure but it totally ruins this michael fassbender's character's life he has no emotion tied to the activity he has trouble emotionally connecting with other people in any real deep way um also showing the um contrasting difference between brandon sullivan and his sister sissy sullivan played by case uh carrie mulligan right how she is she Definitely has some kind of borderline personality disorder, depression, some kind of mental illness. So she feels very deeply and has trouble um, 
maybe understanding or processing her emotions in a healthy way. So it's very different from Michael Fassbender, who's kind of just like a shell of a human being. Yeah, definitely. Um, it was um, surprising, not surprising to me, but like, I think one of the, like one of the, one of the big aspects of this movie that like stood out to me was how, not not that he's addicted to not not the sex addiction in particular but just the addiction in general how like regardless of what you're addicted to drugs alcohol mm-hmm. um you know, sex anything how it can take over your life and like debilitate debilitate you in the rest of your life to such a degree and it has nothing to do with like being high right cuz he's not on a drug it's just like that that constant like need to be getting off mm-hmm. like or or just to be doing something related to your addiction is right. like, it just prevents you from functioning in any way. Right. Exactly. Um, we see that in Brandon's character from the beginning of the movie, you, it, you sense that, you know, he, I think the first thing you see in this movie is he comes home from work and he like eats dinner, sits down on his laptop and starts like watching porn. And you're like, okay, like, watching some porn after work, whatever. But then you slowly start to see how this actually does affect his life in bigger ways, like his work laptop. Yeah, well, the first scene in the movie is not him coming home from work. The first scene in the movie is him getting out of bed and hanging down. Okay, yeah, he just had sex. <laughs> well, yeah. Okay, but that's pretty normal. You're like, okay, this guy had sex. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. So he has sex <laughs> and then he comes home from work and he watches some porn and you're like, okay. And you get some more fast bender dong. And you get some more fast bender dong. They really um, lay it on thick in the beginning of this movie. <laughs> okay. So to backtrack a little bit, this film was given an NC 17 rating in America, um, making it very hard to cast um, because a lot of actors don't want to do NC 17 films. They have the um, reputation of being, you know, deep throw and just porns on big screen, which yeah. they don't have to be. Um, Fox Searchlight, which had the rights to shame in America, did not appeal the rating or make cuts for the less restrictive R. Um, the president of Searchlight said, I think NC-17 is a badge of honor and not a scarlet letter. We believe it is time for the rating to become a use- become usable in a serious manner. Yeah, by waving a dick in your face for the whole first minute of the movie you seem very <laughs> upset by this i'm not upset by it but like you warned me that there was going to be a lot of nudity fastbender nudity and i was like okay like i prepared myself for that and then the movie started and it was like 30 straight seconds of his dick waving and i was like oh okay this is what <laughs> this is what she meant the whole movie is going to be fastbender dick i <laughs> you also got female nudity too it was equal d- d- fair fair it was equal um, you don't. I mean, look. Let's just put it out there. You don't typically see dicks in movies. <laughs> that's true. Um, that's true. And why not? I, I, yeah, I suppose there's no reason. Why not? <laughs> you're you're always showing our tits, so show yours. Show your show your penis. Is that equivalent? Yeah, I'll say so. Hmm. Okay, you're not really showing too many vaginas. To be fair, I'm not, like, thrilled when I see a dick on my movie screen. I'm not like, <laughs> oh, thank God. They're, they're so beautiful. I wish I could see more. 
Yeah, I mean, I think breasts are objectively better looking than penises. Yeah, I think so as well. All right, so we can agree on that. Okay, cool. <laughs> One thing we can agree on. And yeah. he's not waving it around. He's literally just walking through his apartment. Okay. You act like he does a little, like, crab dance across the screen. There's, like, a 30-second scene of he's standing over the toilet and peeing, and you can see him peeing through his legs. <laughs> it's not waving around. The guy's just yeah, living. Okay. All right. Anyway. <laughs> um, so, um, Michael Fassbender, he's, like, this bachelor and lives in New York. And his sister, played by Carrie Mulligan, comes into the picture. She, like just pops up out of nowhere and you pretty much right off the back at the sense that she is somebody who's a little all over the place, bounces around from city to city. She's a singer. Um, one of my favorite scenes is when Michael Fassbender's character and James Badge's character go to watch Carrie Mulligan sing in the lounge. Um, I think James James Badge Dale plays such a cringy but very good, just like creep of a guy. Yeah, yeah, he played it very well. I always remember him when he was much younger on the TV show Twenty Four. Oh, I've never watched Twenty Four. He was only in uh, maybe two seasons or three seasons. Um, he played Jack Bauer's like sidekick, mm. like partner. Okay. Um, Chase. Oh. Yeah, he saves the day a couple times. Wow. But uh. Yeah, and uh, I mean that was that's just always anytime I see him in anything, yeah. that's what I think of. Um, Did that take yeah. you out of it for you? Like, no. Okay. No, but like I think it's just the, the same with any actor where like you like like Chris Evans, like I'll always see Captain America, but I'm not gonna like not enjoy something else that he's in because I think oh wait a minute Captain America can't be in a whatever movie. Yeah, it, it's I think it's it's hard to break out. For some actors, like John Krasinski, when I see him in anything else, he's he's Jim from The Office. And but that also, like, not saying John Krasinski's a crap actor, but I feel like he played Jim for so long that I just can't see him being anybody else. Yeah, and I think on some level, when he was Jim, when he was playing Jim, he wasn't a hundred percent acting. Like Jim. Like they they tailored Jim around his personality a yes. lot. So like yes. m- so there's elements of Jim no matter what he's doing because a lot of Jim is just what he's like. Exactly, exactly. Um, but getting back to to shame and the the lounge scene, um, James James Badgedale just plays like he he's Michael Fassbender's coworker in the movie. I think his boss. It's his boss. I think so. Yeah. Damn, it's his boss, and he's married and has kids, but he's always just like hitting on women when they go out and like and just like really like forward kind of and mostly swinging and missing it seems definitely swinging and missing and it's very cringy to watch um but they go and see carrie mulligan sing and she does a rendition of new york new york by frank sinatra which i didn't like that much i mean she she actually was a surprisingly good singer not i mean not i don't know why i always say surprisingly but like yeah she was a good singer Mm -hmm. and um I just didn't like the the slowed down rendition of it. That's fair. It's just such an iconic song. Like I don't know, it, it was hard to get into it. Yeah, <laughs> um, I it, like you said, it's very slowed down. It's very like um, in a minor key, very kind kind of just a sad tone to it. Um, but I think it's a beautiful scene. She sings it beautifully. But 
I love it because it's the really the only time in the movie you see any kind of deep emotion from Michael Fassbender. It's a pretty mm-hmm. close-up camera shot on his face. Um, and he plays the scene so well. It's a scene with no um, words. And he just emotes very well during that scene. Right. And, I mean, within the story, it his sister is one of the few things that he actually, despite all the problems they have with each other, his sister is one of the few things that he actually does love and care about, you know what I mean? Because it's one of the few, maybe the only person in the world that he can't have a sexual relationship with. Right. Um, so he can love her in an emotional way that's not attached to sex. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, I thought was interesting. That, that yeah. the only time he ever shows real emotion is when it's related to her. Yeah. And I think, and you can clearly see in the movie, he struggles with that. Um, yeah. He There are times in the film where he gets very angry with her um especially when he hears her um kind of talking to an ex or his his boss on the phone like if a guy doesn't call her back or if a guy treats her terribly and she's you know just crying and can't handle her emotions he gets very frustrated with her right and and there and there were times where he was also justified to be upset with her but like mm-hmm. he reacts his reaction is like way over the top because he can't he can't keep the right like focus or not not focus but like he can't keep his mind right when it comes to her like she's such a blind spot for him exactly and we we not we don't get answers to their upbringing but we can sense that it was not great not great like right. she tells them we're not bad people we just come from a bad place right and and they are they are the only family that either one of them has. So obviously whatever happened, the rest of their family is not in the picture. Right. And I kind of like that. We don't get all the answers there. Mm-hmm. Um, you, Cause you don't need them. You just get enough to know that it wasn't a good, it wasn't a good time. Right. I mean, even not to jump ahead to the very end of the movie, but even at the very end, you don't get complete closure as to whether he is a changed guy because he, it's like he has, there's a couple scenes where he has this like really intense eye contact with this woman on the train that he sees. They must ride the train. They must commute at the same time or whatever. They see each other relatively often. Mm-hmm. And they always have this like flirtatious, like really serious eye contact, but she's married. She has a ring. And then at the very end of the movie, he sees her again. And you think, is he going to like, over, based on all the stuff he's been through, is he going to overcome? And you don't find out. They're just staring at each other and the movie ends and you don't know whether or not he does anything mm-hmm. about it. Um, so it's that's uh it's a it's a dark I don't want to say a lesson but like it's a dark way to end the movie. Yeah. Where you don't well I mean and not necessarily dark but like the fact that you don't know and that kind of and that kind of shows um you know it's like kind of really appropriate for addiction right where even if you are temp, you know even or at least I'm not that I not that I really know I don't have really I don't luckily don't have any major addiction problems myself but um, they say that you're never, you know, you're always an addict, right? Yes. That you are not using at the time, but you are always suffering from that disease. Yes. Addiction is a mental illness. And as somebody who lives with two of them, um, it is, you're never like cured. You're always um, just working every day with your illness that you live with. 
and sometimes it's under control and sometimes it's not. So with addiction that manifests in a different way, um, obviously with using your drug or drink of choice, but, um, so trigger warning for this movie, there is a big trigger warning for a scene of suicide, um, and cutting in general and cutting in general. So throwing that out there, if you are interested in watching this film, um, important to know. So Michael Fassbender's life gets upended with at his job, his, uh, work computer gets taken and it's just completely filthy, which I was going to ask you, somebody that works in it. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, can you get caught? Like, is that, yeah, yeah, absolutely. But, um, I just love that there was like no, I guess because his boss knows that, or he knows that his boss is a piece of shit. Like, and so his boss let him off, I guess. Like, I couldn't really figure out the dynamic there. He didn't get in any trouble at all. The boss was just like, just blame the intern. Yeah. Or he he gave him the opening. He was like, the intern did it right. Wink. Yeah. And he's like, uh, yeah, okay. I'm going to walk out of here. Yeah, the intern. Like, okay, yeah. It's like, I guess because I cheated on my wife with your sister, I'll let you off on this one. Yep. (laughs) Yeah, so so creepy. Um, So that happens at work. He goes on a date with a woman that he works with. They actually go out to dinner, and it is so – it's a cringy scene, I think. The waiter makes it cringe. I don't know why they wrote the waiter the way they did. I don't recall. Like, the waiter didn't stick out to me. Really? He... Or maybe the waiter wasn't that cringe, but the way Michael Fassbender and his date are, like, interacting and reacting to the waiter whenever the waiter would show up made it weird. Yeah, okay. I get that. I think I think he was being awkward more than anything, and she even <laughs> comments on it. She's like, are you nervous? And he's like, no, like, I don't... He's like, he tries to play it off like he's not nervous, but he actually is, because he doesn't normally go on regular dates. Right, right. Um he confesses that the longest relationship he's ever had, I think he says it's like four months yeah, or something. And she uh, recently got divorced and she's like, that's a red flag. Like you're how old and you've only dated somebody for four months to her. Um, And then they go and they middle of the day, he takes her to like this random hotel room to have sex. Well, yeah, it's like the next day at work. They like, They're, like, all over each other. They're making out in a conference room, and they leave to go get a hotel room. <laughs> yep. And he can't get it up with her. Um, he, so he immediately calls a prostitute. To... He, she, he, she immediately was <laughs> like, I'm going to leave. You're clearly flustered by this situation. So she leaves, and he immediately calls. Is that when he has – he calls two prostitutes or just the one? No, the two prostitutes later. <laughs> so he calls one prostitute. Yeah. Um, so, again, you can see how anytime like – you know, during foreplay, she, like, really looks at him. And I think it just completely makes him lose his boner. He's, like, emotion from another yeah. woman. I'm... I can't. Yeah, yeah. He he has... He's severely confused when it comes to that kind of thing, I guess. Yeah. Then, so when does he call the two prostitutes? That is when he he gets into a fight with his sister... And then he goes, um, he goes out to a bar. He hits on a girl whose boyfriend then beats the crap out of him. Right. And he then floats around town, like, after having gotten beat up. 
he goes and like goes to like some weird sex club, gets a blowjob, then he has a threesome with two prostitutes. And right. then while that's happening, and then on his way home, his um his train gets stopped. His sister had like made a not a joke, but like she had like pretended to jump in front of a train mm-hmm. earlier in the movie and he was like, Don't do that, don't do that. And then his train gets stopped because somebody either fell or jumped in front of the train. And he has this moment like, Oh my god. Like, was it my sister? And he tries to call her, tries to call her, runs back to his apartment. And this was, like, while he was... She tried to call him while he was having the threesome. Right, right. And he didn't answer. And and, uh, uh, and he gets back to the apartment. And this is when... Why we gave the trigger warning earlier. He finds her in the bathroom, having cut her wrists. Mm-hmm. And then, luckily, she survives. But that's that's one of the other few times that he shows real emotion in the movie. Is when right. his sister... Her life is at risk. Yeah. If not, he, he he thinks that she may be dead already. He doesn't know, I guess, at that time. Right. And all of this is happening when he didn't answer his phone because he was... She needed him and he didn't... He drew, he was trying to push her away. Right. He was um, entertaining his addiction. Right. During that time. Um, she survives and, like you said, the movie ends and he... We, we, we don't know what his future holds in terms of his addiction if he's you know going to be on the road to recovery or he's about to indulge again the woman on the subway yeah yeah i one of my few notes that i wrote in here was that there are no other than other than the girl from the office that he tries to go on a date with there's marianne there are no good people in this movie like like he, I mean, not, okay. That's a hard. That's a harsh thing to say because addiction doesn't necessarily make you a horrible person. But like, there are everybody has issues in this movie. Let's put it there. That we way. go. That yeah. is a better way of saying. Everybody that. has issues. Yeah, not that they're not good people, but no. they all have issues that they are struggling with. Um, except for seemingly that one girl in the office who is going through a divorce, but she otherwise seems well adjusted. Right. His boss. Cheats on his wife or wants to cheat on his wife and constantly, constantly, <laughs> it's gross. Yeah. The main guy, the main character is a sex addict, and um, his sister, sister has a, seems like a host of of mental problems. Yeah, um, I I like movies that explore the human condition. So if you have as many people suffering and trying to, but this movie they don't try to improve themselves. So that yeah. um. But I, I like I like hard movies. I like movies that are hard to watch and that are very human. Um, this is one of them. This is not a happy movie. Um, no, definitely not happy. Unless, you know, seeing Michael Fassbender's penis for 30 seconds <laughs> straight makes you happy. You can watch that. But overall, it's not a happy one. But I, I, do, I do love this movie for the way... Steve McQueen directed it. I think the color palette and the cinematography of this movie is uh, beautiful and appropriate for the story and the tone. Um, I thought the score was gorgeous in some scenes. Um, but what did what did you think overall of this movie? Um, you know, I wouldn't say that it, it. I loved it, but I didn't dislike it. I thought I thought it was the the story of addiction was really interesting, mm-hmm. and the way it, the way it made his life spiral out of control, and the relationship between him and his sister were all were all those elements were really compelling. Um, but um, I don't know. I didn't. 
It didn't like wow me. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It was nominated uh, for a lot of like, like film festival circuit things. Yeah, like indie it, awards and stuff. Yeah. Won a few. Fassbender won the Best Actor Award at the Venice Film Festival. He was also nominated for the Golden Globe that year, but did not win it. Um, had you heard of this movie before I said we're going to do it? Yeah, I mean, I only, but literally only the title. Okay. Like, I hadn't, like, when you said Shame, I was like, oh, yeah, I knew that there was a movie called Shame. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of people think of this movie as, oh, that's the that's the penis movie. That's the Fassbender penis movie. And but it's so much more than that, guys. Um, I, and so I I want to let the listeners know that. Okay, I mean I I I'm I'm glad I'm glad you picked it. Yeah, I thought it was a reasonable movie, but I will forever know it as the Fastbender Penis movie. So I think it gets that reputation maybe for a reason. That's like when people would say like, "Oh, Brokeback Mountain." That's the gay cowboy movie. So, but but this is like the, this is the point I was trying to make earlier, which is like. That, and especially with that NC-17 quote where they're like, it's a badge of honor. We're not doing it for, like, shock value. And it's like, okay, but the movie is exactly the same if you don't include his penis for 30 seconds straight. Like, I think it is. I think it's exactly the same. Oh, well, yeah, the same movie, but it's not just the penis, right? It's I think the sex scenes would have to be completely altered, and that takes a lot away from the movie, I feel like. I mean, how, were the sex scenes really that graphic? Like, because they, I you don't see us. It's not like you're seeing penis the entire movie. No, but you're seeing. I mean, like breasts, breasts for sure. I mean, some vagina. Were you seeing vagina? I don't think so. Are butts? What about butts? Does butts make NC seventeen? No, like, how many no. butts are you allowed? I don't know. I don't know if it's a number. I think it might be one of those weird rules. Like, you're allowed like one butt. What if it's like good looking butts versus ugly butts? Do they do they count differently? I don't know. Um, like, but movie if you're intentionally showing ugly butts, that might be like a comedy butt. Comedy butt doesn't count the same as sexy butt. That's what I mean. So the sex scenes too were like <laughs> they were like very like sexy. Like it's a threesome. It's like okay. I think the way they film the sex scenes too is plays a part in how they rate the movie. Fair enough. Yeah. Now I'm gonna research this. I'm curious. Like, what was the last NC-17 movie that was widely released? I have no idea. Uh, I don't know. One of the Fifty Shades, maybe? Was that the NC-17? I don't think they gave those NC-17s. I have no idea then. Yeah. Curious. Might be this? No, I'm sure there's one since 2011. Yeah. But who knows? Like Thank to me, you. honestly, if, if if you're gonna make, if I was to guess right now, I would say you take out that penis scene in the beginning, <laughs> and it's rated R, and like they threw that in to get the NC-17 rating. Even though if I know that's, that's not, the case, I'm like that's. Even though I know that's not probably not what yeah. they did, but like, none, none of the other stuff seemed like so out there to me. Yeah, I don't know. I'm gonna do some research on film ratings after we record. I'm curious. Yeah, didn't Daniel Radcliffe hang dong? That was on stage. On stage, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they don't give... Do they give ratings to plays in theater? Mm, I don't know. I'm yeah. sure there's some kind of warning. Right? Like you're not going to bring your kid to see Potter Dong. <laughs> They're like, my kid's a huge Harry Potter fan. <laughs> like really, really like. huge. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe not so huge. Yeah. I see what you did there. 
Well, thank you for keeping an open mind. And yeah, look, I didn't, I didn't dislike it. I thought it was a good movie. Cool. So that I think that wraps up our our shame talk. Yeah, that wraps up our talk about shame. Um, our next episode is going to be the one we've been referring to and, and leading up to for the last few episodes, uh, our Oscars special. Um, so I guess, I, I mean, I feel like that the one idea that we've had so far is probably what we should stick with. Um, <laughs> we're going to yes. do like a, a pre and post. It'll be a little experimental. So bear with us, people. All in one episode. So Yeah. So we'll record part of it before. Uh, maybe review like nominees, predictions, that kind of stuff. Nominees, and then... predictions, talk about maybe our favorite Oscar winners of years past. Yeah, in, in each category or whatever. And then um, and then we're going to do, so that'll be roughly half the episode. And then we're going to do post, uh, like we'll record the next day or whatever. Yeah, it'll be good. Um, I still have a few on my best film list to watch. Uh, I actually, I'm going to try to watch all of them. Yeah, we'll that would be nice. I'd be very impressed. It's a lot, but... I've got... I can't remember which one's off the top of my head that I need to watch. Nomadland, The Father, for sure. That might Promising be Young Woman? And Promising Young Woman. Those are the three I think I need to watch. Okay. And Promising Young Woman, I probably... If I'm going to watch any of the... If I'm, if I'm going to watch one of those three, it's going to be Promising Young Woman. But I'll, I'll try to watch all three. Even though I think Nomadland's probably going to take Best Picture. But I could get surprised. Frances McDormand. You just mm-hmm. got to nominate it. Mm-hmm. She's good. Yeah. The woman can act. She knows how to do that acting thing. So. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, if you love what you heard here today, please rate and subscribe. Um, you can also find us on Instagram and Twitter at Friends Like Films. And you can email us at friendslikefilms at gmail.com. Yeah, looking forward to uh, our Oscars episode, hearing any feedback you guys might have, um, and keep going, keep, you know, we're going, it's cool. (laughs) Keep on keeping on. Yeah, keep on, keep on rocking, keep on (laughs) trucking. See you next time. See ya.